Listening to Real Talk SLP with your host, Felice Clark, the Deviling Speechy. This is a show to help speech pathologists navigate the SLP world with real life stories to celebrate therapy successes and how to persevere when failure comes knocking on your door. Hey there, Rockstar SLPs. This is Felice Clark, the Dabbling Speechy, and we are having another podcast episode. I told you guys, 2021, I w- I have been dedicated to, go- to being on every week, either with a guest or with my own topic to share with you all. I have been dedicated because when I started this Real Talk SLP podcast, I thought, oh yeah, I'm going to jump into this and I'm going to do this every week. And I think I was, this was my goal in 2018, right? Okay. So I was going to do this podcast every week. And then I found out that I got pregnant. We had surprise baby number three and morning sickness was just not the the funnest thing ever. And the podcast kind of took a back burner and I would record when I had a chance. But now this year, I am like enough with the excuses. I have a wonderful podcast assistant who is helping me with navigating all the organizational pieces and editing my podcast. My husband was editing my podcast, but you know, he, he works full time. And then he also helps me with the kids. It's like, we're like a 50, 50 household and, and I wouldn't have it any other way. He's my biggest cheerleader for all this stuff. And uh, anyways, so long story short, I'm here again for another week and I will not fail you this year. I will be here every week. I promise. (laughs) So today we're going to be talking about parent coaching. I'm going to be giving you some tips about parent coaching, but I'm also going to just like, I'm going to let you know, like, what's really happening with parent coaching in the real world. I think it's easier said than done. There's a lot of like, just do these five things. And then the parent coaching relationship will be beautiful. It will work and everything's going to be perfect. And the child will start talking, right? I mean, that's what we hope for, but you know, really what I have found you know, even implementing a collaborative service model. Now, a collaborative service model is the umbrella for push-in services. And, and there's coaching and consultation that you do with a teacher and the, and the staff that work with the child every day. It takes time. And, and now many of us, if, if we haven't been doing, you know, parent coaching in, in private practice where, where the parents come in and you're coaching them, you know, in the school setting, it's not that we didn't want to do parent coaching. It's just that most parents were at home or working. And, and so we were often staff coaching and teacher coaching. And, and now is that we're, a lot of us are virtual, the parents were shifting the person who we're coaching, right? And it takes time. It takes, it took time for me, even when I was coaching and collaborating with a teacher and staff, because along the process, we're building trust. We're trying to see what's going to work for each individual student and what's going to work for the classroom. And so a long time ago, I had to make a concerted effort to always, always remember that to take small actionable steps. As long as I'm taking small actionable steps, I will always 
make inches forward, right? I may make only inches this week and I may only make inches next week, but then the following week I might make a foot gain, you know, of where we're going in terms of coaching and the student's progress. So as long as I'm taking small actionable steps, I will eventually hit long-term big giant strides. And I think sometimes we just want to jump into therapy and we want to see instant progress and, and be the, I don't want to say the magic worker, but we, I mean, when there's an element of us too, wanting to be like, look, we're relevant. We know what we're talking about. Do these things, right? We want we want our parents and our teachers to have faith in us. And, and we want to see progress right away. You know, I wish I could make that magic wand happen for every kid. But over the years, I've, I've realized that some kids, they may not be showing us that progress that we want. And then one day we walk into the classroom and they say, hi, Mrs. Clark, <laughs> you know, I mean, and that's just, especially with some of my students, my autistic students, that's, that's how it is. You continue to put input, input model, create opportunities, and you're feeling like the slow moving going with them and you're, you're trying things and it's not working and you're re working other activities. And then one day you wake up and you're going and you you go into the classroom and you do a session and you're like, this is a different child. And, and, and that's what it's like with parent coaching. And, and the big, the song that reminds me of parent coaching is from Marvin Gaye when it's like, it takes two baby. Yeah. Me and you. I hope you guys like my singing. <laughs> But yeah, that song reminds me of parent coaching. Like it really has to take two people. And and we know what it's like to parent coach someone who is primed and ready and on board and wants to do not whatever you say, but they they see the value in the things you say and they that you they take your suggestions and they implement them every week. And then we see the families that and the parents that maybe aren't right ready yet, you know, and it's a slower moving process. And so kind of, I've had to just kind of accept where every family is at and always, like I said, always take small actionable steps forward. And, and that's going to look different for each child. So that's like my first big tip. And that's just like my mindset that I go about. You may have a different mindset with how to parent coach, but that's how I do it. And virtually here's the deal. I have families, all of of just a lot of different things happening. I have some kids, parents where they're wanting a device. They're like, yes, give me the device for my kids who maybe need AAC to help them with communication. They are doing, they're using it. They're pulling it out. They're asking for questions. And, and some of them just don't even, they, they feel like, am I doing this correctly? Like they're struggling with the confidence. I have some families where English is not their first language. So some of the barriers we, we face is trying to demonstrate and explain things to a parent when we don't always have an interpreter, you know, available every single time that we are interacting. Now I try to provide that or I, you know, when in doubt, I use Google Translate to send some parent coaching but like that is a barrier for some of my families. Another barrier is that our parents are working. So they get on with their kid and during the school day and then they're off to work or they're working during the day and supervising their child in a therapy session is, is not really conducive. So 
you know? And, and then on top of it, we have families dealing with lots of stress. Some, some of it's health related, some of it's being isolated with everything that's going on. Others are just stressed out with the load sitting on them. Okay. That's what it feels like to me as a parent who's also homeschooling, working two days a week in the school and then running my business. It feels like everything is on me and my husband. And, and, you know, I mean, the teachers are there helping They you know, there are some avenues of support, but at the end of the day, <laughs> we continue to go. So what you're going to need to do with your child at home is you're going to need to fill out this worksheet and you're going to need to practice their speech words this many times. And you're also going to need to do that's what it, <laughs> that's what it feels like as the parent for some of them. And so I think remembering that even if, and I've had a couple of moments that because I am a parent myself and I'm in the trenches of just navigating school and all these elements and understanding the frustration where you're like, I love my kid, but they're driving me a little bonkers right now. They're not doing the activities that I want them to do. They're not following the rules. They're not listening. And and having to do that day in and day out, we have to remember like, our parents, there's a lot going on. And I've actually used, you know, that opportunity to relate with some of my parents and just be like, listen, you aren't the only one I'm over here struggling to and giving them some specific (laughs) insight just to make them feel like, hey, I get it. Like you are trying your hardest and, and don't, don't beat yourself up. Let's tomorrow's a new day. Um, And so encouraging them, right? So Anyway, so let's talk about some tips that I have found to be helpful for parent coaching. So now that we know when it comes to parent coaching, we always want to keep that balance of perspective of where we're coming from as a clinician and where our parents could be currently. So a lot of times when I do my parent coaching, I try to do a check-in with them in the beginning. And, and then if there's nothing really there, I will try to do the activities and read what's happening in the session and then check in at the end and ask some other questions if need be. So I always like to check in with the parents to see where they're at with life and with what's happening. Because for myself personally, there are definitely weeks where meetings are heavy. I have a lot of deadlines and to be told to put, you know, Hey, can you also do A, B, and C with your kid this week? that might not, isn't going to be realistic. And we don't want our parents to feel defeated if we're going, Hey, Hey, I know you got a lot going on We're you're sound, you look really stressed, but what I'm going to do <laughs> is I'm going to tell you to do all these things. And then when they don't get it done, it's, it's kind of like deflating, right? It doesn't, it's, dep- it's a little depressing. Like, Oh man, I didn't get that done. So we want to set goals. We want to check in and, and, and set expectations for where the families are currently at. And so I do check-ins with the parents to see how they're doing. The first thing that I did this, this school year, and I did another recheck in right before winter break was finding out what they needed. What tools do they need at home? What barriers are they having? And and seeing how I can fill that need to help with parent coaching. So I'll give you a few examples. I have some families that don't have printers. 
I have a lot of kids also on my caseload that need visual supports to help them communicate, to build those those functional communication skills. So I interviewed or I would text parents, what did they, you know, what skills do they want to work on? What do they need? And and then I printed up those core boards. I printed up visual supports like an emotion strip card because we're going to start working on emotions and having that there for the parent while I'm doing an activity virtually or demonstrating something, the parent can then model by pointing to the emotion card or having that yes, no visual. So that is what I, I did. And once I knew what they wanted, I was able to print those things out and then have the teacher aides deliver them to some of the families, or I would bring them to the school and the parents would pick them up. And, and by having those tools at home, every time that I'm doing a parent coaching session, I can say, Hey, you want, do you have the core board? We're going to use the core board today. And I'm going to show you, we're going to be working on like and go. And we're going to be working on how to do that at home. And so by having the tools, we can consistently encourage them to use them, (laughs) right? So, and the other tip that I did that makes things consistent is I pick a skill or core word for the month. So right now in when now during this time while I'm recording, the core words for the month are like and go Another type of skill that I maybe would focus on all month or two months would be a daily routine activity of snack time. And so every week we're just going to be talking and coaching about snack time. We're not going to be doing other things. We're going to really hit those pieces of coaching. That's that's what we're going to focus on. You may do something else in therapy with the child, but then those last 10 minutes of parent coaching is all related to mealtime and and they're and what they're going to do at home. And and maybe they send you a video and you're going to say I'd like to see a video of your child communicating during mealtime. So, you know, trying to be consistent with what you want them to do because for us You know, we forget that we have been studying communication disorders for six six years. And then many of us have been out in the field for many, many years. And what feels somewhat easy to us and a no-brainer, we forget that our teachers, our staff, and our parents, you know, this may be the first time they're actually doing some of these things intentionally. A lot of our parents do stuff naturally, which is a great way to say, hey, you're doing awesome. Look what you just did, right? But so that's another, you know, tip for just being consistent. And then the other things that I've been doing, and this is where I check in, you know, periodically about is finding out what is important to your family, to the families and their their child's communication, because we really want buy-in. We want them to feel like this is... We want them to see the benefits of it. And if they're not buying into your strategies, they're not going to use them. And then we know how that goes. If you don't use the strategies, then you're not going to see the communication growth. So we want to know what what they want to work on at home. And then we also want to get an inventory of what the child loves. Because if we know what the child loves, 
were able to even plan activities virtually using things that they really like. So when you're modeling for the parent and demonstrating the skill, it's with something that the kid's going to be interested in. So we'll actually get those opportunities for to see if the child can produce the skill when we do wait time, when when we give answer choices, when we point to something on the core board. And here's a good example of that. You know, I have some really great boom cards, green screens, all that kind of stuff. I have all that stuff. But there have been times where the child just isn't in a computery mode. They do not want to be on the computer. Whatever I have up is not cool enough. And so in the moment, I've had to ask the parent, like, hey, what is your child like? What songs do they like? What do they like? And one parent said, oh, she likes balloons and a Mickey Mouse. And so I quickly went on Giphy.com and added some GIFs to a Google slide with different balloons. And when I did that, I the, the child's engagement increased because she got to see Giphy's, which are really cool. If you don't know about them, you can go to um, my YouTube channel all about Google Slides and adding GIFs. They just make it look like it's a movie. So instead of just seeing a picture of a balloon, it looks like it's moving up. It's kind of like a movie. And anyways, the child is more engaged because they like balloons and they like to see them. And, and so I was able to model and talk to the parent about some skills that we wanted to work on. So the other thing that may be beneficial for your families is trying to set the expectations and the ways you want to coach them in the beginning. And some of us, we may have been like, well, we've already been in five months and we haven't really discussed this. And I get it. And there are certain families where, you know, I, I didn't follow this and I'm kind of having to take some steps back to say like, Hey, how do we want this session to look, you know, and what do you think's working? What's not working and trying to make it so that it is something that is beneficial to everybody involved. So first and foremost, we have to explain to our parents why incorporating parent coaching into a session is really, really important. And we can explain that by the fact that once a week of speech therapy working on verb actions is only going to elicit 10 opportunities at best, right? But if the parent is trying to elicit verb actions all day long, they are going to get possibly 20 opportunities a day. And you can just show them the math that if they work on these skills outside of the speech room, instead of 40 opportunities a month for verb actions, you know, they're going to get a hundred opportunities a week because 20 times five is a hundred. So showing them and explaining that to them will help get buy-in as well, but then it will also show them, them the importance of being present during that coaching time that you're going to do with them. And I think it's really great to also find out how do they want to learn? How do they want to be coached? Do they want just to be sent videos on the process of how to do something? Do they want you to give feedback in the moment during the Zoom call? Or do they want to have you parent coach them 
on the meeting, but then give them written form? Or do they want to send you videos of the child and then you guys discuss them in a, in a parent coaching? You know, finding out what might work for them will also help with that buy-in piece and also letting them know what is expected of you and, and them in this partnership, right? So I also like to have a, a coaching method that I call the taco method, where you're, you, you would explain to the parent, and you would explain this ahead of time, hey, every session, we are going to follow this format. We're going to follow the taco method. I'm, I'm going to tell you the information you want that I want you to implement at, at home, right? So that's the T. Then the A is ask the parent to tell you what they understood. So then I'm going to ask you to explain what I'm asking you to do. And then C is going to be where, you know, you and I are going to clarify any misunderstandings with the information. This is when you can ask questions or I can ask questions to get clarification about what is expected. And then O would be offering the parent a second opportunity to explain what you are asking them to do. So by using the framework of the TACO method, you are ensuring that the parent understands what you want them to do. And that way they're actually going to do it, right? If they understand. So my last tip is always remember to be positive and encouraging the parents. Think about what they're doing really well. And maybe right before you leave it, you know, say, hey, I really love how you were trying something new. I know it might feel uncomfortable, but you've been, you did really good with this specific situation. Um, and thanking them for their partnership because I've had parents that just aren't, haven't participated. And what it's done is it's, it's frustrating, but what it's done on the flip side of things is it's made me appreciate and, and see the dedication and consistency of the parents that are coming and being active and, and, and engaging with their child. And, and it, it makes all the difference, as you probably all know. So <laughs> I hope those tips were helpful. I'm going to share a couple other things that you can do, and then we will be on our way. So the other thing that when you're in a coaching session, if you're trying to find some structure on how to plan these, what you can do is either you can do a little bit of a hybrid where you're going to maybe do therapy for part of the session, and then you're going to parent coach, or you're going to share each week like, hey, we're going to be working on wait time. Okay. This whole month, we're going to be working on wait time. And in the beginning, I'm going to go over that strategy and why it's important to use it. So we're going to talk for about five minutes about what that strategy is and why you want to use it. And then for the rest of the session, I have some activities for us to do together where you're going to play with, you know, or we're going to do this activity and, I, and I'm going to demonstrate wait time. And then next week, I really would love it if you had some fun toys that your child likes and we will work on wait time while you guys are playing. So explaining what the strategy is that you want the parent to use, why that strategy is important, and then we want to implement how to use it. So that could be sending them videos, 
demonstrating it, you know, <laughs> watching a video together and showing them, well, they struggled here. This is not what it is. This is how you do it. Okay. And like I said, another just quick tip is using the family's routines because those are things that happen every day. They're motivating because it's part of their day. They can do it in a natural setting at home. There's a lot of low prep involved in, in terms of like they don't have to facilitate and squeeze in playtime with their child at a certain time because they know that during bath time they can do these activities. So really digging into finding out what the families are willing to do or what their routines are at home that they can practice some of these things. Okay, to wrap things up, here are the big takeaways for parent coaching. We want to find out what tools they need at home to be successful. We need to know what's important for our child and the family and what, what they want to work on because that increases buy-in. And we need to find out how they want to be coached or at least telling them the structure of how we are going to coach them. And we always want to be positive, right? We always want to find something positive to share because... It can feel defeating at times when you're working with your own child and, and needing that you're the coach. You need to encourage them that they're doing a good job. And so when we are in our sessions and we're coaching parents, we always want to tell what the strategy is, why it's important. And then we want to give a lot of opportunities to show how to implement that strategy in the home. And then that to piggyback off that, giving them a weekly assignment that they can use that strategy and giving them some examples at home for that. All in all, though, when I do all this coaching, just remember that some of these things may just be in little, little tiny chunks. Maybe you're, you share the strategy, you share why it's important, but you're just going to be implementing the strategy during the sessions for a few weeks because you can tell the parent just isn't ready yet to implement it at home. There's a little bit more rapport building and work you need to do. So just remember when you're parent coaching that it's going to look a little different for everyone. We have to also get around those barriers of personality style building trust and confidence in them that, that we're a team and, and, you know, having those hard conversations about things that you're maybe trying to avoid. I don't know. That's a, <laughs> that's another topic for another day. So anyways, I hope this was helpful. If you have any questions about parent coaching, please email me at Felice Clark at the dabblingspeechy.com, or you can always reach out on social media. And as always, SLPs, remember to be the SLP that every kid wants to see and stay inspired. Until next time, I'll see ya.